0: Evanston, Chicago. I'm Micah Sandy, and this is WNUR News at 6. Tonight, what it's like to be single during Valentine's Day, the new season of RuPaul's Drag Race, and the latest food trend, olive oil. Those stories and more coming up from Northwestern University, this is WNUR News at 6. Wednesday was Valentine's Day, the day for flowers, romantic dates, and red hearts for some people. For many others on this campus and across the United States, February 14th was another day of good solo living. Young Americans are increasingly single, and maybe we're okay with it. Michelle Huang has the story.
1: This past Wednesday, I saw Frap Boy hopefuls setting up tablecloths in Norris, huge bouquets of roses on doorsteps, and post after affectionate post about everyone's significant others. Love was in the air? When talking about dating scenes here at Northwestern, fruitful isn't the term most people would use. And it's not just us. The American Enterprise Institute's Survey Center on American Life conducted a dating poll in 2023. The results showed that more and more young Americans are single, 53% of Gen Zers interviewed said they enjoy being single more than being in a relationship. A whopping 73% said they have more important priorities at the moment than dating.
2: We know singlehood is on the rise. That's been happening for some decades now. So for example, I think the percent of people who were unmarried was at about 33% in 1950. And right now, that it's
1: at 40%. According to the research, Data. So there is this UCLA. rising
2: mm-hmm. trend in people who are not married, and that could be.
1: Either... Her research focuses on the whys and hows of life satisfaction, and particularly how close relationships factor into that. According to her, psychologists have witnessed this increasing trend of singlehood for a
2: while now. More and more people are delaying marriage or foregoing it entirely. And that's not just happening in the U.S. That's happening across the world. We see that. David Schieber, an
1: assistant professor of instruction in Northwestern's sociology department, draws a connection between this shift and modernization in the workforce, particularly in relation to women.
3: As women have entered the workforce and become more interested in, you know, having professional careers, especially um, highly educated um, upper socioeconomic status, um, women, um, postpone long-term relationships, um, knowing that they're more focused on, um, a career education at that point.
1: Sheber also discusses money as a significant motivation behind singlehood.
3: A lot of sociology research has said shows, um, a connection in, you know, time of marriage, even whether or not someone gets married is, um, wealth mm-hmm. um, and also just how much you know financial stability a person has in their life and typically the argument goes people do not want to settle down and get married until they have some level of financial stability
1: for gen z it's possible our widespread singleness is rooted in both of these factors maybe the more we see of the current job market and our career prospects the more we realize how uncertain our financial futures are and so erupts this mindset that our professional lives come before our romantic ones. People, we, are pushing off long-term relationships. But if we're not getting cuffed in college, what happens next? According to Sheber, students who meet their partner later in their professional paths tend to marry within the same socioeconomic statuses. Med school student meets med school student, and they become a doctor-doctor couple. An associate attorney meets another lawyer, and they become two legal partners partnered together. However, these sorts of late pairings can be drivers of wealth inequality.
3: I've seen people talk about that as, you know, one potential driver behind inequality. Mm -hmm. Um, These days, like, oh, as opposed to 50 years ago when a doctor may marry a woman, and, well, it's super gendered because it's or 75 years ago um like a male doctor would marry a woman but the woman would it was much more you know spread out of what socioeconomic status that woman might come from now it's a doctor a male doctor where a um woman doctor um and it concentrates like two you know two hundred thousand dollar incomes into one household and ends up being one of the like drivers of inequality
1: on a more individual level Singlehood doesn't really affect people's mental or emotional health, despite what people typically say. The
2: predominant narrative in our society is often that, you know, find a romantic partner, get married, then you'll be happy. In her research, but that Walsh
1: says she found 100% to play of single people for- follow a life satisfaction pattern to 79% of coupled people. In other words...
2: There are very happy single people, very happy um, coupled people, very unhappy single people, very unhappy couple people. There's a, a variety of, of ways to be happy or not happy, and that doesn't necessarily fall on relationship status.
1: According to Walsh, it's less about whether you're dating someone or not, and more about the important social connections you hold in general. These relationships can manifest through a romantic partner, but also through close friends and family members. I guess the lesson of today's story is this. Young Americans are increasingly single and perhaps we're okay with it because there's no one way to live this life. And also, my biggest worry right now isn't getting a boyfriend. It's getting an internship for the summer. For WNUR News, I'm Michelle Huang.
0: The 16th season of RuPaul's Drag Race is here, and fans have thoughts. Basil Fruy has the story. Uh
4: Buckle up and start your engines. The 16th season of RuPaul's Drag Race is underway, bringing memorable challenges, breathtaking runways, and gag-worthy drama. The season premiered on MTV on January 5th, introducing the world to a brand new group of talented queens all vying for the title of America's Next Drag Superstar and the grand prize of $200,000. With six episodes already behind us, I talked to three Northwestern Drag Race fans to hear their thoughts on the season so far.
5: I've seen an embarrassing amount of Drag Race, honestly, because I watched like seasons like four through seven, like th- three, four years ago. Um, and then I didn't watch like anything until like, Last summer and since last summer I've watched like ten, fifteen seasons.
4: That's Weinberg Jr. and Misty Rowe. They said the diversity of queens and their styles has made season sixteen a great watch.
5: I've been enjoying it for sure. Um I like the like kind of variety of Queens that there are. There's like the kind of like more left field queens like Dawn and everything, and then there's some more like I don't I don't want to say typical, but like more like um, like right field, or I guess like more expected drag styles. And so like, there's like a variety of that, and I like the personalities on the season as well. I like how ridiculous they all are.
4: Medill Senior Yiming Fu had similar praise.
5: I think it's a fun season.
6: I feel like everyone kind of, I feel like everyone is good. Like the talent is high, and the talents are diverse too. These people. Who can dance, who can sew, who are funny, who can act, who can sing. And you have that whole spectrum, and it feels pretty like evenly distributed.
4: For and sophomore Casey Wiseman, he said the versatile group of queens are promising a season full of entertaining moments.
7: I think it's shaping up to really good. There's a lot of shade, there's a lot of personality right off the bat. And so far, everyone's doing pretty good. There's not really much flops.
4: This season features 14 queens from cities all across the United States. In terms of favorites, Wiseman has a handful. Okay, well my
7: favorite is definitely Safira, Cristal. I think she's the mother of all queens. Um, I really like Nymphia. Um, I really like Morphine. Um, mm, I like Tsunami, actually. Oh, I love Maya Amanda Page, the queen of flips, and I love um, Geneva vroom vroom car she's la diva,
4: Latina. Every episode, the queens compete in challenges with the hopes of accruing enough wins to snatch the crown at the end of the season. Typical challenges range from sketch comedy to fashion design to songwriting.
6: I've liked the challenges a lot so far because my favorite two challenges usually are the talent show and the ball. So to have them back to back, I really was like, okay, these are my favorite challenges.
4: Each episode of Drag Race also features a runway segment where the queens get to show off a look based on a specific theme. For Fu, he says he's been impressed by what he's seen so far.
6: The looks for the most part have been strong this season and I think it also does come back to like the 16 seasons aspect and like queens being very self-aware of what they need to bring to make it either in the competition or to make it online and like I feel like the budget is just higher and people are really like committed to pushing it and having those big moments.
4: Every season of Drag Race also comes with its fair share of drama and shade. With season 16, particular attention has been drawn to Boston's Plain Jane, who, throughout the first couple of episodes, seemed to be at the center of it all. For Roe, Plain's antics have been a consistent source of entertainment.
5: I love it. I'm obsessed with Plain Jane. I'm here for it. I want her to like win. I understand where the other people are coming from because Plane is objectively being incredibly mean. However, I feel like they need to stop like taking her so seriously because they know she's just there to pick a fight.
4: At the end of every episode, the two bottom queens who perform the worst in that week's challenge must then lip sync for their life to prevent themselves from shantaying away. For Wiseman, the first couple of eliminations seem justified.
7: Low key. I'm fine with them all. I feel like the first one was her, she, yeah, I think she kind of sent herself home. And then Mirage also kind of sent herself home, even though I was, I liked Mirage when I was sad to see her go.
4: In terms of who might be the top contenders for the win, all three fans were in general agreement.
7: I think it's definitely between Safira and Nymphia. I love
6: Nymphia Wind. Um, I don't know if she's going to win. I hope she does, but I would also be equally as happy if Saphira Cristal
5: won. I think it's going to be Nymphia or Saphira.
4: For those looking to get into Drag Race, Ro says that getting together with friends can be a great way to break into it. They also recommend exploring the world of drag outside of the show.
5: Watching with people can be fun. I think that's like a big part of it is like discussing it, being like, I like this, I don't like this. I would also say... Branch out of RuPaul's Drag Race, find other queens, go to local drag shows, support local drag. Um, that's really important.
4: For WNUR News, I'm Basil Free.
0: TikTok's latest food obsession is, are you reading this right? Olive oil. But there might be some good reasons why this pantry staple is getting a new moment in the sun. Allison Rock has more.
8: It's spicy and herby. It's fruity and mellow. It's extra virgin. Of course, we're talking about olive oil. As strange as it sounds, it kind of feels like olive oil is having a moment right now. But then again, olive oil has nothing new. It's been used for centuries by multiple cultures for everything from religious rituals to skincare and of course cooking. So what's up with the current buzz?
9: I think one of the biggest things with social media and just like the availability of information in general via TikTok and like just, I mean, search engines are transparency about your food. That's Talia Yacobi,
8: community manager at Graza, a New York City-based olive oil company. Graza is a young brand, but they've exploded onto the olive oil scene thanks to their unique product design.
9: It started two years ago. Our founders, Andrew and Alan, so Andrew was in Spain during COVID with his wife's family. It really just started with Andrew's like obsession and passion with olive oil and wanting to make a great product available in an easy to use bottle at a mid-range price. And I think that's really what's connected with people is they understand. I feel like our passion translates to our Grazoid's passion.
8: It also helps that Graz's fun packaging makes it stand out on the shelf. The visuals and the social media effect are definitely part of the brand's appeal. And Jacoby says that
9: the current pop culture climate seems to be very favorable towards olive oil. I think it's just like fun to use and you kind of do feel like a little chef, like I think with the whole focus and even in pop culture with like the bear going viral and all these celebrities and people that we look up to maybe for other things, but they're also caring about their foods. And a lot of them are using Graza as well. So I think that's how we've really kind of grown in with these trends. And then, of course, with Dua Lipa saying on the podcast that she likes vanilla ice cream with olive oil and sea salt, it just honestly was like this gift that kind of fell into Graza's lap because if you look on our drizzle bottle, we have ice cream as one of the use cases. And that's been since the beginning, so over two years ago. The celebrity endorsement is always a
8: strong driver of the trend cycle. Remember Gigi Hadid Pasta? Even though Graza may have been putting olive oil on ice cream for years, I was skeptical. But I gathered the necessities. Okay, we have Signature Select brand extra virgin olive oil and Talenti gelato in Madagascar vanilla bean. And we have the Malden sea salt flakes. Plus a co-taster, ice cream enthusiast Nate Jarum. Okay. okay. I'm intrigued. And gave it a try. Okay. Time to take a bite. Oh. Wait. That's kind of nice, yeah. I low-key thought everyone was lying. That's actually kind of nice.
7: It just kind of tastes like the ice cream.
8: Really? Well, you didn't put enough olive oil. It's like, um... there's The flavor's definitely there. It's a really, like, nice... I don't know how to describe what kind of flavor that is, but it feels very, like... Cause you taste kind of the herbiness of the olive oil and it goes really well with the salt and it makes it kind of like, kind of like salted caramel, but like not, you know?
4: I guess I get that. I, I kind of just prefer salted caramel.
8: You don't think the olive oil adds anything?
7: There's, I've had plenty of olive oil. I'm kind of like scraping around on olive oil. Not doing much for me. Really? I'd say I'm neutral on it. Would,
4: would,
8: would you What would you rate it out of 10?
4: Four and a half, five. a half. Five. Wow. Uh, but average. That's what it, five is. It's average. Everybody thinks five is bad. Five isn't bad. Rotten Tomatoes has conditioned you to think that everything needs to be a seven or it's bad. I, five is average. I
8: think this was a seven for me. I think it was pretty good. I probably love wouldn't... A average. I think it was pretty good. I probably won't, like, do it casually. But, I, like, I understand... I understand the hype, I guess. Believe it or not, this isn't even the only olive oil trend going on right now. Last February, Starbucks rolled out their Oleato line of drinks across their Italian locations. Each beverage boasts about a spoonful of extra virgin olive oil. As of the end of January, they're now available across all U.S. locations. I just went to sherbucks and got the golden foam shaken es- blonde espresso the oleato line of the starbucks there's a bunch of the oleato drinks but i read some articles and people said that this one was um the best one all right all right all right let's do this let me put the lid back on i think i'm just the right kind of person for this kind of thing because i love like like a salted caramel, I love a, a more rounded flavor. I do really like olive oil. I cook with it a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, this is really good. I don't know. TikTok trends aside, there's also been new interest in health and wellness since the COVID-19 pandemic. I think the, the demand for olive
0: oil has increased worldwide because of all the reasons we've been discussing, mostly because of the health
8: benefits. of it. That's Al Corshane, also known as Farmer Al. He has a farm called frog hollow in brentwood california korshane said that their olive oil is special for its purity
0: yeah it's got a sharper more pungent stronger flavor which is just it's a matter of taste right a lot of people are put off by it because they're so used to oil which is bland and you know softer in, in, in the way it lands up the way it makes your tongue feel it's a lot you know it's just it's easier to understand
8: but when you get into the Tuscan blend, it does have that bite to it, that pungency, that, that bitterness, and it's, it's, uh, once you acquire a taste for it, it's hard to go back to, to the bland olive oil, which is which you find on the, on the shelves of most retail stores. Korshain also noted that a lot of California olive oil producers are known for high-quality products and don't cut their blends with lesser oils. Frog Hollow, in particular, uses green olives, which produce less juice. Though it's a higher price of production, it produces a more delicate flavor.
0: It's definitely the way to go if, you, if you're willing to, if you can afford it and you're willing to do, go, that extra, go that extra effort to make it work with your recipes or your, or your food, your food uh, choices.
8: This increased commitment to quality is a promising turn for the olive oil industry. It seems that maybe there's a lot of stars aligning to make olive oil popular right now, at least in the United States. Now more than ever, there's good product on the market and more interesting brands to choose from. Olive oil is no longer just another item to check off the grocery list. It's something people can actually care about and get interested in. If you don't like it on ice cream, I don't think anyone will blame you. But it seems like the olive oil renaissance is here to stay. For WNUR News, I'm Allison Rauch. Uh,
0: the mix of chilly and sunny weather from this week will continue this weekend. So get ready for another weather roller coaster. Here's Anavi Prakash with more on the story.
10: Hello, I'm Anavi. Welcome back to Fairweather Friends. Each week, we give you a peek into the local and national weather. We have some weird weather coming up, so stay tuned. From Evanston, Illinois, this is Fairweather Friends. It feels like we're already in spring given that temperatures have been much warmer than they usually are in February. In fact, according to the National Weather Service, the first 14 days of February all had highs above 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and for our Celsius users out there, that's 4 degrees. There hasn't been a streak of such warm weather in February since 1882, the NWS said. That's 142 years ago. This weekend, the streak will be broken on Saturday with a high of 32 degrees Fahrenheit or 0 degrees Celsius. With a low of 28 degrees Fahrenheit and negative 2 degrees Celsius, these colder temperatures will come with strong winds. On Sunday though, we're back to warmer weather and a light breeze. The high is 43 degrees Fahrenheit and the low is 32 degrees. In Celsius, that's a high of 6 degrees and a low of 0 degrees. In other news, there is a winter storm traveling through the Midwest with lots of snow. Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan are the primary states affected. The storm originated in the Northeast, giving New England states a lot of snow as well. So the Chicago area may see some snow this weekend. Between the wind, potential snow, and highs of 40 degrees, this weekend will have a weather roller coaster. That's all for this week's edition of Fairweather Friends. Thanks for listening. Until next time, enjoy the crazy weather patterns that come with living in the Midwest. In Evanston, Illinois, Anavi Prakash, WNUR News.
0: Taking a look into the headlines in Evanston, Chicagoland, and across the nation and globe, Northwestern's Associated Student Government gathered Wednesday to discuss new resolutions including one that would make active shooter training mandatory for all university staff if approved. The resolution will also push for a true Northwestern dialogue on in-person campus safety during Wildcat Welcome and a safety mobile app. Evanston City Council has adopted a plan to grow Howard Street through community events, increased area for walking and biking, and more diverse housing. Rideshare drivers began to strike Wednesday at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago, looking to improve the, the pay and safety conditions for drivers. This comes after the aftermath of multiple attacks against rideshare drivers, and while many participated in the strike, it was not a unanimous decision, allowing those who needed to get a ride from the airport the opportunity to do so. The strike also occurred in nine other American cities. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on X at WNUR News and Instagram at WNUR News 893. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNURnews.org. That's WNURnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Edward Simon-Cruz, and our reporters are Michelle Huang, Basil Fruet, and Allison Barber. I'm Micah Sam. Catch our next newscast Monday, February 19th. Now, back to scheduled program.